in the morning. A family awakens the dangerous spirit of a killer who murdered his family decades earlier and who now possesses their daughter. A priest with a personal connection to the original murders must try to save the family and exorcise the demon that threatens to destroy them all. <laughs> I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the B-Movie Bros. We review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. As we... Uh, End our journey in Polonia Brothers Month. Yes, we're back for an extra week, but this time we have a special guest, um, director, writer, and all-around movie guru, Mark Polonia himself. Hey, guys. Thank you for uh, having me on. Oh, so happy to have you here for a review. You're now officially the only guest to be in to ha- be in an interview, a chat, and a review. So that's um, something. I'm honored. I'm honored. So this week we're talking we're talking about the uh, the 2017 film Amityville Exorcism. What you heard was the Amazon.com description. Um, let's let's just dive right into the shit with our top and bottom three. Things are a little different this time around, though. Where Paul and I have. Uh, come to a top and bottom together to give Mark a little extra talking time as well. Let's, let's start with the good of this movie. Let's start with the top. All right. You want to, you want to start the first one? I'll just yeah. Say? Yeah, sure. Um, number three, this movie pays homage to a lot of horror movies out there. Uh, the Exorcist, Amityville Horror, The Evil Dead, Paranormal Activity, The Ring, Night of the Living Dead. It just seems like you can find some classic or popular horror reference in just about every scene of the film. Most definitely. Uh, for number two, the scenes of the mother um, zombie ghoul berating her husband were just hilarious. She's like calling him a drunk and all this other stuff. It was it was pretty great. And you got this like crazy light flashing effect. Like yeah, yeah. It, well, we we had to augment it because it, it uh, we shot it against green screen. And because uh, we knew we'd be putting it over different backgrounds. So, yeah, and it, the flare really helped. Those flashes and the changes and all that distortion just helped blend it in so it didn't look so phony. You know, it just helps sell the effect. It, it just seemed like a fun, campy uh, thing that w- was was in there. And it actually fit really well with the uh, the theme of the movie. Like, even it, it seems like it's one of those things It's out of place, but at the same time so perfect for it. Yeah, it really, like, made like certain scenes of the film like just that much better yeah it, well and again it was put in to augment the guy's misery you know he he, he was in a bad marriage and then he you know was an alcoholic and killed his family so you know now he's got that that hanging over his head and the ghost of his ex-wife bought or the spirit of his ex-wife bought or thought i got review in that car crash and you still keep nagging me um number one um, we decided that the best thing about this movie was the, the super awesome cross of TV exploding greatness. Just, it was pretty amazing. Like everything, like the priest points the um, points the cross at, just like either explodes or like it just like flies across the room or something like that. It was pretty great. <laughs> or like starts to melt. Like I, I, <laughs> he knows his stuff. See, he knows his stuff. The power of God coming through. <laughs> like it, it just made me think of like, like there should be a documentary made where there's like all these different scenes from all these different movies with like some like priests and and different people using crosses against, you know, demons or vampires or what have you, and like just the dangers of the cross. 
<laughs> the power cross <laughs> safety glasses or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Do not aim this at, at someone wearing glasses. <laughs> do not point this at a mirror. Do not go swimming with this on. Do do not use this on small animals. Yeah. <laughs> do not swallow. I forgot to put the safety on my cross. <laughs> but yeah, I just it, it just like the cross just seemed to be like the the end all for everything with that priest it was it was awesome well and that, you know, again that's and it's a cliche you know it's 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 better than holy water because it's just something visible and tangible you know that you can see and and add sound effect this is a visual element um, more so than anything it may be overused a little bit in that movie now that you mention it I mean you can't overuse something more than the sonic screwdriver though in Doctor Who where that means just anytime something needs to be done oh I'll just use the sonic that's what we should have done in this movie. We <laughs> should have Sonic Cross. <laughs> maybe that's how it blew up the TV with, with Sonic Waves, you know? Can't open this door, use my Sonic Cross. Right, you can't drive this demon out of this girl, use the Sonic Cross. <laughs> Don't have enough money to pay for groceries, use the Sonic Cross. I feel like this needs to be a movie now, like Sonic, Sonic Cross. Cross. There you go. It started here. If it happens, we know it started here. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's time to move on to the bottom. The uh, the three things we thought were the most, the worst about this movie. And there's only three. Well, we, we, we try to be nice. <laughs> we, we limit everything to um, three. So. <laughs> yeah, we we've thought about like eliminating the top on some movies, just doing the the, the bottom six. But you know. We got to yeah. be fair and get, give credit where credit's due. Now, I know number three is one that really pissed you off on this one because it pissed you off in, like, another movie, too. And you have, like, this is, like... This always ends up in my bottom. <laughs> so when, when the father, the alcoholic, goes to drink, he pours things out of his alcohol bottles, but every bottle he pours something out of is just, it's just water. It's clear. Like, okay, once again, the drinks are nothing but water. Buy some goddamn food coloring or something from 1988 to 2017. Splatter Farm to here. It hasn't changed. It's, it's just, oh, hey, here's some lemonade. No, that's water. Like, do something. Oh, no, that was lemonade in that. It just was really weak, and the video <laughs> captured it wrong. But, yeah, it, it, you know, some, I think after we shot that, that was like a conversation that night. We should have put, like, iced tea in it or something. And it's like, I like clear liquid, so that's kind of my, that was kind of my thing, that he just, he like, you know, <laughs> liked it straight without any, without without any flavoring or fructose, so. Well, that was the other, you know. But, but I, yeah. You or know, re point replace, well replace it with vodka bottles or, or something that Paul thought of. He was like, well, you know, maybe the family has been drinking his alcohol all these years and they're all drunk around him and he's actually the sober one. And so, like, it, it's like this reverse Twilight Zone thing. Like, yeah, if he keeps drinking alcohol, it keeps me hydrated. <laughs> if he drank, if he drank, if a human being drank as much as he did in that amount of time, they'd be dead. I mean, we joked about that too, but yeah, point well taken. Next time, there's going to be colored liquids in our film. Yes, victory! And we'll get a special thanks. <laughs> I think this next one uh, deserves Paul. So for number two, um, who the fuck was the red guy exactly? Um, he was just kind of around, like, I guess he was part of the Legion, but um, 
We never really find out if he's just some random demon or is there some kind of like significance about him. Like, no, you know, yeah, he was. Uh, he's he's kind of an esoteric fellow, but that's just the our representation of 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 the evil rather than you know the the guy with the pointed horns and the pitchfork. Plus, I love Roger Corman's Mask of Red Death. That and, okay? Because that that costume looks so familiar to me, and I just couldn't place it. Yep, and it, it kind of thought, you know what? Instead of having a guy in a black cloak or a white sheet, I said, I'm going to go out and spend good money, so that'll end up in a lot of movies. <laughs> so this this may end up on the bottom three in a couple movies, but it, it just looked really cool. And then I went and bought one of those shapeless masks and spray-painted it because I wanted to capture that because that, that's such a cool scene at the end of Mask of Red Death where they, he's playing cards with that little girl. And he says, I saved, I, I spared this girl, an old lady, and a, two, a husband and wife. And then they all get up and walk away. It's like, that's cool. I said, I would love to do my own version of Mask of Red Death. So it's kind of a step in the right direction. See, look, but yeah, it, it, it really, there is no definitive explanation on that one. But I mean, again, going, going back up to our top, I mean, again, just there's so much homage and so much tribute to other films. It's kind of fun to pick out and see what you recognize. Definitely. Um, number one, we came to, um, we're not sure what the age of any of these characters are supposed to be. So we just assumed that they were all within like three years of each other. <laughs> no, no, the dad's older, the, the, the daughter's you know, old enough to be out of high school. <laughs> and the priest could be their uncle. <laughs> Yeah, we were trying to figure that out. They're like, were they all like they're kind of around the same age? But she's is that her real dad or her like adopted dad from like you know or like her sugar daddy? Like <laughs> it's her real dad. It's supposed to be her. And then like like and that was the other thing like because the uh, the boy Robbie you know said about he's saving up for college. So we were like, okay, so so they are like high school age. But then I was like, well, maybe this is like cougar territory or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think you're reading a little too much. It's like Breakfast Club. Um, uh, yeah, on that one. exactly. Those people look like they should have been in, you know, their 30s. But yeah, no, they're, they're, they're you know, they're supposed to be age appropriate, but it, it probably obviously didn't come across that. But you're not the first person to say that. So, point well taken. See, I'm taking notes, right? <laughs> We have no clear liquids. Uh, define the man in the red suit at age appropriate teenage. See, it's all working out pretty well. It's great. You know, this is free. This is free advice. Always good for something. So you know, something we didn't mention, which actually would have been close to our top three, was the dialogue in this movie. Actually, was pretty fun. There were some good lines in this one. Um, so we're gonna have ourselves a little bit of a quote war. So we're going to quote this movie back and forth, and, and and Mark can maybe tell us who won this episode's edition of Quote Wars. So um, I'll start, and then Paul will rebuttal. Will I see you up there? I can't wait to see you in hell. You were barely even half a man. Look what you did to me, you stupid drunk. Fuck you, priest. Eat shit. Piss off, priest, you pious asshole. Good lumber is hard to find. That's enough blood to kill six rats. <laughs> I love that one. I think Paul wins. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I really like that line. The, the first time we've got an actual winner of Quote Wars. It's a. It's close. It was close. They're all good lines penned by me. I don't know. I, who's it say wrote this? 
Um, I thought it only credited you as uh, director and producer. No, there, there's no writing credit on the DVD, so I, who, I can't think of who I gave credit to in the movie. It was probably Billy D'Amato or, or Alan Wyoming. But it was me. I wrote it. I mean, <laughs> I'll take the blame right here, but I'm not sure who, who we gave the blame to. So. <laughs> so it's good when you can pass it off to somebody else. You know, it was a fun movie. It was a fun movie to write, and and um, because I'd already made an Amityville movie, um, Amityville Death House for Fred Olin Ray, and it's a different kind of Amityville movie. This mo- this is more of the this is like the the uh, the first Amityville movie we made is like Amityville Two, and and this one's probably like Amityville Six or Seven. You know, that's the level of. Uh, Complexity. The Amityville Death House has a is very complex. I wanted to do something simple with this one, um, and just focus on a few key characters. I think that the the creepy dolls that was like that was in the script, but we didn't think we we couldn't find creepy dolls. It didn't cost a fortune. And Jeff Kirkendall had a friend that said, "Oh, I collect creepy dolls," and he brought this <laughs> box of. You know these dolls with crackled faces, and they were perfect. Because we were going to scrap that scene and do. My alternative was okay. We'll do something where like he falls through the floor, and like his legs are sticking out in the basement, and he's half of them is upstairs, and half of them is downstairs or something. And something was going to try to get him from the bottom, and he'd get out. I mean, that was my only alternative to supplement that scene. But he came through with those weird ass dolls, and uh, I actually sampled. A, a laugh from some creepy doll they sold in the seventies to kids. I forget what it was, but it was really creepy. I thought that's really great. I'm going to sample that, and I slowed it down. Toys from the seventies and eighties really were like the best. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were. They but I there's if you if you watch that movie, there's not a lot of music. I wanted to play. I made a conscious effort to play with it, the ed, juxtapose the editing and and use sound to drive a lot of that. Um, so I was kind of experimenting with that. And I think in some regards it's successful. Now, my, my only disappointment in the whole movie, I think, is I think the exorcism scene could have been stronger. I think it's the weak part of the film. Yeah, to me, it it was... It's, more... a, big, it's a great build-up, and, and honestly, the payoff, it's okay, but... It, it could have been better. It was kind of more on like the annoying side as opposed to like the the frightening or the scary or like anything else to convey. Like, I don't. Know, I just wasn't convinced by, yeah, by the yeah, girl. You know, you're right. You're right. I agree. And and in hindsight, we should have had like wind blowing, flashing lights, and and I think part of it. Well, I mean, it's my fault. I directed it, but I think we were. You know, we were running out of steam. It was the end of the shoot, and I had planned some other things. In, in the post that we just didn't, it didn't work out. I mean, we got her on the ceiling and her twisting her head, which I thought was good, but we never quite got the barfing thing right. Yeah, I saw that. I was, I was like, is that the projectile vomiting scene? Yeah, that's what I was saying. The, um, the head twisting thing was a nice homage to um, The Exorcist because I'm yeah. thinking, like, they have to have that. Like, if it's Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. And the barf, the barfing just didn't. We shot that We shot that three times, and it just didn't work. The viscosity of the first liquid was too thick. The second liquid missed and went all over the, the closet and the wallpaper. It was a mess. And the third time, we just got it. I, I don't know. You know, it's just one of those things that we tried and tried, and I think I used two different 
parts of it. But I think if if I could do it again, and I always say this, if I could do it again, I would leave everything about that movie exactly the same, except I would beef the ending up a little bit. Just the exorcism scene. And we tease Jeff because he's playing this priest, and we're like, okay, Jeff, well, you can tie her this way. And he's like, oh, no, no, I, I, I can get this. And he, like, ties her up perfectly. I said, have you done this before? <laughs> All those missing girls in Albany, you know, did you run into them like in a mall or something? This is how they ended up. Just hanging out in my basement, you know? But it was a fun movie. It was a fun movie to make, and it was it was intentionally contained. Um, I think I think we shot in some cool locations, that old cemetery. We actually got to shoot in a real church, which was a, you know, that was a coup. Um, you know, we'd, if we'd had to cheat that, it would have looked pretty bad. So that was, that was neat. Um, I like the scene where she kills her boyfriend. Um, oh, I must've been in the bathroom at that point. Yeah. She like, does, she like tears his neck off. Like, tears his throat. Right oh, that was pretty awesome. And then I like the scene where I like the cutaways to the, the red dude. And I like the dreams and I like that kind of reality thing. The, the 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 thing where she eats the spider worked in post, but when we shot it, I knew we had a problem because we just couldn't. We we got these bugs, and they just didn't. It, it just you know how you envision something, and it's just not what you want at the end of the day. So we edited around that and did some kind of jumping and. Uh, you know the scene where it comes up and goes over her and you know goes down into her into her. Um, her, fa- her face. It was funny when we shot that, you know, everyone used to laugh because we're talking about all this, you know, exorcism stuff. But if you were outside in the hallway, you'd hear something like, okay, I'm going to put this in your mouth now. You know, it was just, it, it just, people would be like, what do you, what kind of movie are you guys making? Um, and, uh, you know, of course, our dog was a real pain in the butt the whole time. But, you know, I think I'm really fond of that movie because it was really, cost very little. I mean, very little. And I think for what we spent, and the, we shot it in four days, wow. four, f- five days, four and a half, five, something like that. It, it, it uh, It's pretty solid, you know. And again, there's some people look at it and say, wow, this movie's a piece of shit, but, you know, let them, you know, let's see them go make anything besides a mess at breakfast. But, um, you know, I'm 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 happy with I'm proud of it. You know, I've made a lot of movies and I'm not always proud of all of them, but this one is I think for dollar for dollar entertainment value, it's 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 a pretty solid good-looking movie, I think. I, and I love where Todd pulls his guts out. That's probably the goal. That's a cool scene. Yeah. I, I like that one a lot. Scene, the bloodiest scene in any one of our um movies next to Land Shark, which has some gruesome kills, but you know, I like I like Amityville Exorcism. Do I like it better than Amityville Death House? They're two different movies. Um, Amityville Death House is pretty solid too, in, in different ways. So, you know, I've made two shark movies. I've made two Amityville movies. You know, I'm 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 proud of it. I, I think we could have done better in some regards, but I think a lot it, it hits more than it misses. Yeah, you def- there are definitely, like, a lot of, like, good homages. You guys are definitely, like, well familiar with, like, the format and everything. And it, it definitely comes across, like, um, this is a love of um, that kind of film. So, I well, yeah, that counts because, you know, how many movies have you watched and they're, like, they're horror movies or sci-fi movies and 
Like they just there's something missing, and then you read reviews, and the director says, oh, "I hate horror movies." Yeah, it's like why'd you direct it then? Who who said that this would be a good candidate to direct <laughs> this picture? I hate science fiction movies. Oh, why don't you direct the new Star Wars? <laughs> It'll be good because you hate science fiction movies. Or, you know, or I, you I hate Venom, so I'm going to include him in my Spider-Man movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's give the job to the wrong wrong person. It's, it's it's, uh, so you really have to, you you know, you guys have seen tons of horror movies, science fiction movies, monster movies, so have I. And, you know, a lot of that, at least for me, because I started watching them at such an early age, it's, it's ingrained in you. So it's almost, you're not even thinking about, oh, this is an homage to that. You know, clearly some are like the red guy who you guys don't like, but I do, <laughs> you know, Mask of Red Death. And, and, and there's other, you know, there's other not so subtle homages and that but then there's little things that are just sub they're they're it's subconscious you know i wasn't aware that i was doing it it just it's there you know yeah it definitely it definitely had a lot of like good points and it's definitely like comes like i said comes across as like um you guys knew what you were doing and um i think that really separates a lot of um like good films from bad films or at least like you can tell like that a lot of like care went into it so you can have like um, a film that's a lot of money, but if they don't, if the person doesn't care, then it's going to be a terrible film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it costs next to nothing if you think about it. But it was, and I designed it to be made efficiently. That none of that movie was shot, with the exception of the church scene. That movie was shot within five minutes driving distance of my house, and most of it was shot at my house. That's that's the you know the main location was my home, so. Um, that made things easier, you know. You know, you don't have to, all that travel time, and and uh, but the church that we actually were given permission, believe it or not, to go in and film. That was like an hour away, but I, you know, I'm not gonna throw. I'll drive an hour to shoot in a real church. You know, it was worth the, the time that we would have lost by shooting it closer because we would not have got permission to shoot in a church locally you know we were just fortunate to get that location so so was your house actually um did they actually do work on your house from a serial killer um house no 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 but we did just remodel the house so <laughs> it looks different than it didn't say the house at screen or or peter rotten tail or whatever you know it's been in a lot of them um yeah that was my idea i don't you know i don't i can't i don't know if that idea has been borrowed from other Amityville movies, but I know there's movies in the series where they take something from the house, like a lamp or a mirror and the evils and that, but I thought, wouldn't it be cool if this guy you know, he's a, he's a carpenter and he just, you know, did remodeling in that house and he just took all, because carpenters do that, you know, they'll take anything they can yeah. so he took yeah. the wood and put it in his own house and then, at, you know, at the beginning of the movie he murders his um his family, you know, and then there is a mistake if you look at because it says it's it's a mental institution. Then he has a state prison thing on his shirt, <laughs> so I'm not sure which. Is. Either way, the guy's getting fried in the morning. Um, but you know, it's it's. I'm sure I'm sure the idea has been used before. It's not like a brand new idea, but in this movie, it sort of applied. I thought that's a great way to get the evil into the into the house without being so cliched about it. Um, but maybe it is, but, but 
But then, you know, then it was cool because this guy did work on other people's homes. So he used this lumber and, uh, you know, everywhere this guy, it's like he's spreading a plague. Pretty much, yeah. That was a, that was a good way to end it where it's like, oh, crap. Yeah, he has that list of places and it's like, okay, well, so if the movie does well, you know, he's going to, that's, that's, that sets up a sequel, which I don't think there will be one, but maybe this is Amityville Exorcism, as it stands today, gentlemen, our two top selling movies are Feeders and Amityville Exorcism. Oh, wow. How, how weird is that? And they're probably two of the cheapest movies I ever made. Not that that's saying anything, but, <laughs> oh, would you do drop an extra quarter on it? <laughs> but, yeah, I, I like the movie. I li- it's got more right than it does wrong. And I love the, the packaging. That That's not, they went back and redid, they added the house in. If you look, there's a, like a little person in there. The original box work was just the face. But this got picked up by family video, and I think they, they, um, Hinted or insinuated that you know what? Well, yeah, we'll take it if you put that a uh, little bit of the iconic house on the on the cover, which they did. I think it looks great. I mean, I think it looks really good. Yeah, I like that a lot better than the poster they have on Amazon, which is again, it's it's just the face. Yeah, and through the whole movie, I kept calling it Amityville Exorcist, and and uh, Robert Wildeye, he's a really great guy. He's like Mark, it's Amityville Exorcism. I said, oh, I keep calling it a- Amityville Exorcist. Because to me, that makes more sense. Yeah, because the, the priest the is, is the exorcist, like, doing the stuff. Yeah, yeah. Unless you think of the film Exorcist. So exactly. It's, it's, like, instantly go to that. That's why I, I think I kept kept referring to it, you know, in that vein. But um, it's just, you know, despite what people think, the movie is a success. Um, and you know what? You never think... That's the thing, you know. I've made 50-plus movies... You know, and you've seen a lot of them. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. We'll admit that, right? Um, but you're you're always surprised at what takes off and what doesn't. Because I I think I've made movies that are just as good as this, or maybe better, and they they just didn't take off. They didn't go anywhere. And you know, there's no rhyme or reason. There's no reason feeders should have been the smash hit it was. It should have been a smash into the ground, but it was a. It wasn't. The movie was a, a resounding success. This movie is too. So I have a track record of every twenty years. Oh my god! <laughs> I'll be seventy by the time I make my next hit. <laughs> Your grandkids will be running the show. <laughs> the second generation, the third generation of the third, uh, movie yeah. bros. Range. I think I think we've got enough information now to uh, to give this movie our final take, though. I think so, yeah. Now, our final take, remember, is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale, 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this movie? Um, uh, you're going to be disappointed with my score, but I gave it a 7 out of 10, and I'll, I'll explain that. I give it about a 5 out of 10, kind of like mid-ground. Now, I am not a... Like ghosty, exorcisty kind of movie person. Yeah, I don't like The Exorcist. I don't like the Paranormal Activity movies. I just, to me, like right away, I'm disinterested in it. Um, they aren't everybody's cup of tea. I will admit. I, I admit. I will admit that. Yeah, you're skating on thin ice because it's such a defined genre. And despite that, I mean. The the biggest thing for me with this movie was actually being able to sit and watch and point out, like, 
okay, I recognize that from another movie. And it would actually keep my interest that way. And the lines in it were a lot better than a lot of the uh, newer paranormal movies that I've seen or ghost movies. Because they were actually funny and they were entertaining. You know, it, it had its serious moments, but it had those lighthearted moments, too. Whether they were meant to be lighthearted or not, or if I'm just, you know, we'll talking say, in the head and say, say it's dark, dark comedy. But we'll um, say they are, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's there's stuff in it to draw me in and make me, like, want to sit there. And it's fun to watch with someone who has the same kind of experiences and can try to, like, best you at can you recognize what this is an homage to can you see you know where this inspiration came from and in that aspect i liked it but uh, for me i just i don't do the paranormal stuff like I, I don't know i love the real kind of stuff but i don't like the movies yeah yeah i love the um, homages to all the all the different horror films i actually really love the exorcist um i i'm, I'm like Corey. i don't really like paranormal activity just because i thought um I didn't, I didn't think those ones were really all that fun. It was just like a jump scare after jump scare. But like, I, I, I did like all the references to other things. And I bet if I if like um, rewatch it, I'd probably find even more like references to old films like that, which is definitely cool. And um, like the Roger Corman film that the um, guy in the red mask is referencing, I, I actually I can't believe I hadn't picked up on that. But yeah, you yeah, just did a whole bunch of Roger Corman stuff. That's the most blatant, yeah. and that really was. Where the the idea started with that, really. I think, um, you know, I think, because I haven't seen that one, but I have seen Devil's Reign, and I think it's yeah. it's the same kind of outfit that's in Devil's Reign with William Shatner. Yep, yep, and Ernest Borgnine with the the, the, the demon horns. Now, we would have we would have uh, done something like that, but it was just, t- you know, time prohibitive. Anthony did a bunch of really cool makeups in that, but, you know, it was... Uh, Stuff takes time, and uh, because it was such a tight production, and there's so few characters, there's not a whole lot we could go shoot while he was, you know, had someone in the makeup chair. So, you know, we had to sit and wait, which, you know, it's not a big deal, but on a production like this, every second counts. So, but um, I mean, if if you do like the paranormal paranormal kind of movies, I would say go out and check it out. It's it's better than I mean I would give Paranormal Activity like a ten out of ten on our shot scale. So I mean, uh, Ooh, something's happening. It's only been an hour <laughs> since I started the movie. I mean, even The Exorcist, I I would probably have given a six out of ten. I'm the just this is a great film. It's it's not my cup of tea. You don't like split pea soup, do you? I love split pea soup actually. That's my well, that's my yeah, I, favorite. I, I I concur. I can I can agree with you. I, it, it is a and you know and honestly there's. Paranormal movies are almost as as uh, prolif- prolific pr- prolific as, as zombie movies. There's almost too many of them. Yeah. That's kind of my fear when the distributor or producer approached me. I'm like, you know, I already made an Amityville movie. It really didn't do super well. And, you know, and there's so many. Everything has the word exorcism in it. And, and I'm like, boy, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea. But, you know, we went with it. And it actually turned out to be a good idea. So, and I think but, it is. Yeah, yeah, they all look alike. You look at the covers, it's like, oh, another exorcism movie. And if you see one bad one, you're not going to rent any more. So that's a good point. I, I, and I, I can agree with you to some extent with that. But in, on the same level, I mean, it is a popular genre nowadays. And, I mean, that could lend to the success of it. And seeing as how it is better than a lot of the paranormal stuff i've seen that helps it too yeah i don't i mean i honestly don't watch 
any of those movies. I watched the first Paranormal Experience, and like you know, I, I turned to my wife and said, "We made this movie twenty years ago." <laughs> and I was like, "It was so boring," you know. And, and you know, I'm not taking anything away from the guy that made it. Good for him. I mean, good for him. Look what he did. He took a movie that cost fifteen thousand dollars and turned it into a four hundred million dollar franchise. I mean, you can't take that away from someone. But yeah, it, it's. Seen it all, done it all. Not interested. Just not. No, the, in. the, I mean, to, I mean, this will probably say a lot about me. But my favorite paranormal movie is a uh, Ghost with Patrick Swayze. Um, you just love Patrick Swayze. I do. I mean, you know, nobody puts baby in a corner, but uh, I but, love you know, it. that. Has a creepy ending. I mean, I love all the like, ghost specter bad. things. Like that. That has a great ending. The rest of it, I don't care for, but the ending's fantastic. I mean, the the only real believable thing about that movie is to me more like taking down walls and stuff. You know, everything else in that movie is pretty unbelievable. But uh, but yeah, I I just I enjoy that movie. But. Uh, yeah, I think, like, right now, like you said, Mark, there's just so many, like, paranormal stuff that, like, we're, it, it seems like every other film, film at least for a while, like, was just another paranormal thing. Like, um, I remember watching, um, what was that, Insidious, and while the films were pretty good, like, it's still just, you know, a haunted thing attacking people, and it's like, okay, that's cool, but, you know, I've seen it already. It's, like, it's kind of hard to, like, really make films like that at least for now work i think in the next like few years when there's like a break from that i'll start coming back but it's kind of like zombies like yeah. i can barely watch any any current zombie film I don't, because like I don't, I don't watch any of them i just it's so overdone and i think the paranormal thing you know it, it it's riding a wave and it'll you know it, it was zombies it's paranormal next it'll be something else but I, my two favorite paranormal movies are The Changeling with George C. Scott, which I think is a great movie, um, underrated, and, and a movie called The Legend of Hell House that Roddy McDowell's in and a um, bunch of other people. Uh, Michael goes in it. It's just it's such a well-made movie, and it really it really is scary. I mean, it's scary um, to an extent. But, you know, like... Like the exorcism of Emily Rose and that kind of stuff. I, I just don't watch those movies. I, I just don't. I really don't have an interest in them, like he said. I, I just, I'm not. You know, I'll make one, but I'm no expert on them, and I'll give it my slant. But yeah, I, I mean, don't, even like, I don't look, I don't grab the next, oh, the exorcism of this. I'll, oh, let's go watch it. I, I wouldn't. If it had dinosaurs in it, I might, but not, you know, I mean, that. especially like, after meeting Robert the Doll, like, I can't watch any of the, like, 12 movies about Robert the Doll. Like, I've seen the real one, I've asked his permission to take pictures, and I've seen people get freaked the fuck out by him. Like, I've yeah. seen it in real life. I, I, I don't, like, the movies, they just, I, I can't do it. After that, it's like, you just can't top it. Yeah. 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 No, and, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, Filmmakers and producers and distributors, they're just going to hang on to what's popular until it changes. You know, just like the Italian, I'm part Italian, so, I, you know, I kind of love the fact that they they would ape or rip off, like, you know, Escape from New York just was a smash hit in Italy. So now everyone's making post-apocalyptic movies. And, you know, Dawn of the Dead was a huge hit in Italy. And, and So you had I Zombie mean, 2 come out. 
Yeah, it was financed by Dario Argento. So it was released in Italy as Zombie, Zombie with an I. So they'd have a full cheese movie with Zombie 2. And then you've got Zombie 3, Zombie 4, and Zombie yeah, 5, which is real funny because Zombie 5 came out after Zombie 4. Like, yeah. Well, they just kept putting names yeah. on I think there's, I think there's actually like technically birds called uh, Killing Birds. They called that Zombie Six. No, that was five. Zombie Five was Killing Birds, and there was one scene with birds, and they didn't even kill anybody. Like, yeah, I, Robert Vaughn was in it. No, yeah, I think, I I think Six is like Zombie Hunter or something. There's like seven movies in the zombie series. Like, you mentioned apocalypse movies. Like, that's another genre that's like overdone when you see one. It's like it's like catastrophe movies it's like okay i i've seen twister so i've basically seen all of these yeah yeah my favorite post-apocalyptic movie aside from escape from new york which i think is a great movie for what it costs i mean it's hard to believe that movie costs six million dollars it looks like it costs 50 wow then you look at the sequel and it looks like it cost eight dollars and it cost seventy million. What an abor- what an abortion! Well, I, that I, I think like sixty nine million of that went to Steve Buscemi. Yeah, yeah. My, my favorite, my all time favorite post apocalyptic movie is uh, After the Fall of New York. That movie just that has everything in the kitchen sink. I mean, it just jumps from one thing to the next. Like your Hunter from the Future. I mean, that's another post-apocalyptic thing that starts in prehistoric times, but it's really the future. And at the end, you know, they're fighting dinosaurs at the beginning, and there's laser battles at the end. It's crazy, but um, yeah, it's awesome. You gotta love, you know, imitation is the most sincerest form of flattery. So, what's it? One of my favorite TV shows recently, which I mean, it, it was canceled, of course, um, was called Revolution. And it's funny because it's it's after the fall of it, it's after the fall of technology, like all electrical things don't work anymore. And in like the first episode, like people are using bows and arrows, but by the last episode, like you're at the capital of this nation, and there's like automatic gunfights and and machine guns, and like you know, it, it goes all the way up to like nuclear arms. Like it, it's kind of fascinating that they show you like all the facets of life in this post you know technology world. Um, but you know, not everyone likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do. So we like to give every B movie we review an A movie companion and tell you why this, you know, B movie and A movie are the same movies, just of different standards and caliber. Um, we try not to go to the, uh, with the obvious, you know, any of the exorcism movies or anything. So, um, I gave, um, Amityville Exorcism, the A movie companion of Scary Movie from 2000. <laughs> um, and, and simply because yeah. both titles seem to be, at least to me, more about incorporating scenes and references from other movies than creating an original story or work. Yeah, pretty much the same with me. I kind of, we kind of came to the same conclusion for that one. It's like both movies are more about the homages it pays to different films and how it kind of like did things a little differently and had its own spin on, a, on like, um, an already established uh, kind of genre. But like you yeah. said, it was it was meant to be a simple story. Yeah. And yeah. No, you're right. I mean, that makes perfect sense. It really, it follows the basic storyline, but the the homages and all the, the tie-ins kind of string it along, you know, bridge it from beginning to end. 
What, what's, what other homages did you guys see in it? Because my only real one was the Mask of Red Death, if there's anything else, other than the obvious head twisting and puking. Beyond that, that is... nothing. Um, the, the, the big one I picked up on right away was um, the Evil Dead, when there was like, um, like the camera floating through the woods, it was like a negative um, shot. But it was it was like foggy and it it sounded yeah. like the the moving of the Evil Dead. Even the makeup seemed more like um, it reminded me of the Evil Dead too, like uh, um, just the way the um, the de- the demonic possession looked. Of course, on the on the TV screen there was like the Night of the Living Dead, and then just to me, like anytime you're, you're using like a, a demon or anything through the TV screen, um, that just makes me automatically think of um, of the Ring. Well, the TV, um, the TV in general scene kind of reminded me of Poltergeist, so... And, I would say Demons 2. Yeah, oh! Yeah, another one. I haven't seen Demons 2 in forever. Yeah. Come to think of it. After, after they escape the theater. See, it's all... It's so subconscious. No, you guys are right. I mean, I didn't... I don't really honestly see a lot of that, but it's there because you're just... It, some of that's so ingrained in you. It's like, hey, let's do this, and you realize, oh, well... You know, you're just you're paying respect to this, that, and other things, and you don't even it's 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 unconscious. You're not really. But yeah, those are, you guys pick up on that. Those are the big ones that that we picked up on, um, yeah. that weren't like the obvious you know paranormal movies and stuff. Even the swimming pool scene can kind of like remind me of Jaws a little bit. Oh, with her getting pulled down yeah. and and everything. You know, the inspiration for that came from a movie called Burn Offerings. Oh yeah. Uh, it's it was a made-for-TV movie about a haunted house, and Christopher, or I'm sorry, um, who's the guy that, that was in Curse of the Werewolf? Uh, Reed, Reed Oliver Reed was playing in this pool with, with this kid, and and uh, like he something he gets possessed, and he's like he's dunking the kid up and down in the water, and I, I always I'm like, what kind of dad would do that, you know? And it stuck with me. It bothered me. I knew it was fake, but it just bothered me. And uh, yeah. I thought, well, let's do a pool scene where she's getting pulled underwater and she can't, and like no one's paying attention, like because in that movie, I don't think any, you know, they're just reading magazines and drinking lemonade, and he's drowning this kid in front of him, and they're not even they're oblivious to what's going on. And the the other one for me is I associate it with with the um with the cross burning in the forehead. I associate that with Fright Night. I I can't remember if that was in The Exorcist or not, but that to me was uh, was like it, Fright was, Night. Fright Night. You're right. Yeah. See, I don't. I'm not even. I'm not even aware well, that's, of that. That's one of my favorite vampire movies. I actually, when when I was working at the haunted house this last year, um, the one time I I tried to get my uh, makeup artist to to do my makeup like I was uh, like a crispy vampire from Fright Night. It didn't turn out so well, but uh, it was a fun try. Yeah. No. You're. You're. Wow. You're right. I know. Ne- I never. I just never thought of that. <laughs> But that's what I mean, like, it, it's just so fun to, to watch it and see, like, what can I pick out of this movie? And like you said, it's subconscious. It's not something you're thinking of, but it's something that you have so much experience with and so much love for that you put it in there. Yeah, it's like these movies really stay with you and kind of, like, come part of you. Yeah, yeah, and then you kind of, you're acting out, so to speak. No, those are good observations. Those are really good observations. Now I'm going to have to watch it again and go, oh, okay, now I know why we did this. Oh, now I know why we did that. Um, um, now, do, do you have an A-movie companion or a movie that you would say this compares to very well? It's, it's a, a bigger budget or a, a higher quality, as we would say, film. 
Boy, I, I have to think about that. Um, All the above mentions. <laughs> I, 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 you guys are spot on in in that regards. I think, I think maybe I would, I would uh, almost say the remake of Friday the Thirteenth, only because that movie was just a greatest hits package of parts one through four. And, and in our discussion, it's obvious that. Amityville Exorcism is a greatest hits package of all kinds of movies. So, you know, I guess a quick answer would be that. If I had time to think about it, I might. Well, if I could compare it to any of the other Amityville movies, I'd say Amityville 2 in tone. <laughs> because I think that's the best one of the, Amity, of the Amityville series, mine included. Amityville 2, The Possession, is the best Amityville movie. The, I don't like the first one. I think it's boring. It's look, it looks like a made-for-TV movie. Yeah, I wasn't a fan of the first one. That I never it has its moments. It has its moments. It really does. But as a whole, it's not it's not slick looking. It's it's really dull most of it. It's shot flat like a TV movie. Um, it, it, you know, but it's the first one. It's based on the book, which which. Um, Believe it or not, I, I actually, you know, and part of this idea also comes from the fact that I met a guy who was a carpenter in the original Amityville house. He was doing work uh, at the university I used to work at, and they would come in and laminate their blueprints because they kept getting wet, and he had this New York accent. I said, oh, where, are you, where, where are you from? He's like, oh, I'm, I'm from New York, you know, you could, like you couldn't tell. And, like, <laughs> and, uh, I said, "Oh yeah, where where at?" He said, "I live in I live in Amity." I'm like, "Really? Like Amityville, like the house Amityville Horror?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, 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 yeah." I, I you know, I worked in that house. I worked in that house. That's all a bunch of bullshit. That that story was bullshit. I said, "I said, really? How so?" And he said, uh, "Yeah, the, the weirdest thing about that house was the guy who owned it." <laughs> I mean, he's, he was serious. He's, I worked there for I worked there for three months. Three months. I never saw anything weird except the dude that the guy that owned it. He was weird, you know. It's like, so you know, take it for what it's worth. It was a good story, but yeah, how much truth is in it? I'm sure about that much. Based off a true story. Well, I'm sure it's it definitely was based off a story. I mean, there there was a weird guy that owned it. I mean, the yeah. the guy was weird and he killed his family or tried to at least. Well, no, that 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 was uh, yeah, that's true, that's true. But that guy was a you know, he was a nutcase, and he <laughs> killed his parents because he stole money from his dad's car shop, and his dad confronted him about it, and he didn't like that, so you know, killed the killed them in their sleep. Uh, the weird part about that story is is that, and no one can really figure this out, but you know, he used a gun that made a hell of a lot of noise. It was like a 12-something 12 ga- 12 or 12-aught-something, you know, rifle, which makes a, a loud noise outside. Can you imagine shooting that in a hallway or a room? It would wake everybody up. No one was awake, you know, and that's where this, yeah, I don't know. They said the guy that bought it that wrote the book or the book was written about was had money problems and he just needed money, which he got in spades. <laughs> Um, well, it did and it didn't. I mean, you know, you can read the whole story online, but it's it just turned into a big mess. But anyway, that was the basis of the – and he got the house cheap, you know. I mean, what, here's the thing, and this is weird. There, there is a law that if <laughs> if a house is haunted and a realtor fails to tell you that, they can get in trouble. 
you know, but you know, that house wasn't haunted. It was, they had to say, you know, you know, this, you know, we just want to tell you 12 people were killed in this house. Oh, that's okay. It's a great price, you know, but, but it sounds sounds like what I'm looking for right now. (laughs) In New York state, if a house is purportedly haunted, the, the realtor has to tell you that before you buy the home. Why? I don't know you know, I'm I'm not not sure why. I have seen like pictures online of like, houses with like for sale signs in the yard and it actually will have a little placard that says not haunted and people actually say like these are real things and i i guess you might do, they might do that in new york yeah you know, this, this house is not haunted or this house is haunted like yeah how do you know a house is haunted it's just got yeah, some I, leaky pipes yeah it doesn't you know my, my brother made a good point once when we were making the house that screamed and i said you know our house doesn't look haunted and he said you know what? If someone walked up to you on the street and said, "You see that house over there? The house is haunted. Those people see ghosts at night." All of a sudden, it takes on an aura of its own. And he was dead right, you know. And it sold me on the fact that okay, we can make this movie and make it a haunted house because it just you, you know you think of the cliched haunted houses, but and that's why there's a line in the movie where he says, ah, "Any house looks haunted if someone tells you it is." Because it's a good line too, yeah. yeah, it made sense. It's like because my friend Bob Dennis used to live on a like a street away from this like world famous haunted house. They made a movie about it in the in the seventy or late or early eighties called the Haunted or the Haunting of something, and and. You know, he told me the story as we we're driving around. I'm like, man, that that's just creepy. And then he showed me the house, and it's just this plain tracked home. But after he told me that story, and I looked at that house every time I'd visit, and I'm like, that place is creepy. Had he never told me that story, I wouldn't have thought, you know, it's, I'd have driven around. The, uh, the Haunting of Molly Hartley, is it? No. The, okay. The, the family that, well, they had a weird name, Schmolders Sh- Sh- or s- something like that. Hmm. It, it's it's a pretty, fa- if you if you do a Google search on famous haunted houses and Wilk, Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania is where it was. It's oh, I was just in Wilkes-Barre last week. Damn they, it. They made a movie. They made a TV movie about it. It was so popular. Schmolders or some something like that. That was their name. But, um, but you know, it's such a, you know, you read the story and you go, okay, if a fraction of what happened to that family happened to me, there's no way in hell I would stay in that house. You know, because they're talking about, you know, rape and, and like getting thrown into the ceiling and waking up with goo oozing out of you and like a some apparition over top of you breathing on you. I mean, would you stay in a place like are, that? Are we talking about Amityville still or are we talking about American Horror Story season one? <laughs> No, this is, this is these are the stories these people told about this house. I mean, you know, is it true? I, I have no idea. I don't know them. I don't know anything more about it than what I've read. But, I mean, if it were me and I saw that kind of stuff, uh, I'd be out of there in two seconds. I mean, I have seen a ghost. I saw a ghost once in my life. I've seen, I saw a go- what I think was a ghost, but... Well, you know, it, it, it defied explanation, so that's what I call it. It was unexplainable, but the things they're talking about are pretty serious things. You know, physical harm, um, you know, manifestations, like 
actually feeling the contact of something grabbing, you know, that's a whole different world. Yeah, at some point, it's like, I don't care how great of a deal the house is, I'm, I'm not putting up with that. No, no. If, if I wake up and there's some green hag floating over me, it's time to find another place to live. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of all these things that people would like to forget about, I, I think we do have to uh, tell our fans how to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Bum, 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 bum. So here are some drinking games to uh, drink away Amityville Exorcism. Number, oh, and remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time something gets hammered, whether it's a person, you know, or getting drunk or with a hammer or a nail, your call, take a drink. Every time you see a creepy doll, take a drink. Every time the red man appears, take a drink. Whenever, <laughs> You'll be in the hospital. Whenever the wife appears to berate the husband, finish your drink. And of course, because it's Polonia Brothers Month, anytime you can't tell if it's Mark or John Polonia on screen, take a drink. <laughs> That's easy enough to define now, but... <laughs> I don't, again, I don't think I'm in, I think I'm visible. I'm not visible. I think I operated one of the hands for the uh, girl that gets pulled underwater. That still counts. Oh, there's enough the other drinks in this movie. Yeah. Every time you see a cross, take a drink. Every time somebody reads from the Bible, take a drink. Every time somebody's possessed, take a drink. And every time somebody yells, take a drink. So... This this is the end of our Poloni Brothers Month for real this time. But you know, an extra special, extra length uh, review, chat, interviewish kind of thing with uh, with the man Mark Polonia himself. Um, but we we've, we've watched five uh, Polonia movies this month, um, so uh, we're gonna rank them um, from worst to best in our opinion, um, and then you can you can weigh in on what you think on that ranking. Sure thing. Um, for me, uh, at number five, I gave it to the Amityville Exorcism. Um, it was the least original of what we saw this month. Um, it was a fun homage. It was great to sit there and point out and find things that uh, come from other movies in it. Not my cup of tea. I, I'm just not a uh, paranormal guy. Number four, Splatter Farm. Although I'm not like big on actually sitting and watching it, what it does and what it represents for young filmmakers everywhere is awesome. Not to mention Jeremy and Aunt Lacey are some of the strangest yet most dynamic characters I think I've ever seen in a film. <laughs> Number three, Land Shark. Just, it, it's a shark on land, but it actually has an explanation of why it's on land other than just science. Like, there's an actual story to it. And the shark itself is just amazing. It just pops out of nowhere. And, you know, like, I, I, I don't know, any movie where there's a guy peeing on a shark and he doesn't know there's a shark, he deserves to die. You I know, and, and this movie just, it really does give you what you think the people in it deserve. Um, number two, Peter Rottentail. Demonic magician bunny from, from hell getting summoned by pot smokers because... They're idiots and annoying and deserve to die. Coupled with, you know, rabbit-appropriate murders. And, uh, you know, the boing sound and other fun, minute details. Make this a very entertaining and fun movie to watch, you know, over and over, actually. Number one for me was Nightcrawlers. It seemed to be the most original story, give the most background. It was the most serious of the movies we watched this month. 
and at the same time had a lot of cheesy elements, the monster and some of the camera effects, but there was no fear to show what was made, what's being done, and it was just overall, to me, the most intriguing and most valuable film of, of these five we watched. Yeah, I think last time I had the same ranking, and I will continue that to this month. Um, yeah, I have the Amityville Exorcism at the bottom. I like all the homages and everything, but it, like Corey said, it, was the, um, it seemed like it was the least original of all of them. Number four was Splatter Farm. I, I do enjoy Splatter Farm. It's, um, it's an entertaining film, film, but above that is Land Shark, which is just hilarious. Like... It's like the sharks just appear out of nowhere. Like at one point it's on a roof, at, one, at another point it's like in front of somebody. Like and it just like dives down and eats some girl in the subway. It's just like every like other scene is just great. I love how they're um, how they're searching for the sharks and she's like calculating how far into it, how far away it is and it's just making a beep sound. Like what are you basing this? On? And then she's like, it's right in front of us. Well, where'd it go? It's right behind us. And, and then it's, it's on like top of this. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was that was amazing. Yeah, for number two, I picked Peter Rot- uh, Rottentail. I that is that film is just hilarious. Like every other, the dialogue is great. Like every other moment is just hilarious in it, and just like um, it's a lot of it's really subtle humor. Like I mean, there's the boing sound, which is pretty awesome. But like, and there's lines like the annual desecration of the of the um, guy's grave. And there's also you know. The, the girl, you know, thinking that the guys across the street are gay, so she just sleeps with a giant rabbit instead, <laughs> you know? I thought about that, yeah. Wow, I mean, I, I really would have a hard time ranking these. Is, or did you rank them from favorite to... to, to, to uh, from, from least favorite to favorite. So, so our favorite was Nightcrawlers at number one. Peter Rottentail was number two. Landshark was number three. Splatter Farm, four, and Amityville Exorcism, five. Those are five good ones. I, I couldn't, I, I, you know, being the, chi- being the father of those children, I would probably have to put them all on the same playing field. <laughs> and, and that's the thing is, I mean, for, for all the films that we had to pick from, um, I know you keep saying there are bad ones out there, um, but we haven't found... Trust, trust me, there are. <laughs> we, we, I mean, I know there were, there were more than 50 to pick from, but from the five we chose, there wasn't one that's like totally unwatchable or anything. Um, and we've seen more than just these five in our in our personal lives. But What's your least favorite of all of all the Polonia Brothers movies? I'll give you my two least favorites, and you give me yours. I'll start. I'll start. Uh, two least favorite of all the films I made are Hellspawn and Pralian. Now, I think you know. Having said that, I think both of them have. Scenes that stand out, Praline, especially the opening. I love the opening before the titles. I think that's great. After that, it just flushed the toilet, insert sound effect. Hellspawn had a lot of good ideas, but we showed the creature way too much, and it had we had a lot of production problems on that movie that just left a sour taste in my mouth. That when I watch it, it's hard to shake. Um. Yeah, and it's got technical problems that you know are hard to overcome. So, you know, but at the same time, there are there is stuff about both of them that you know they have a few good scenes. But of all the movies I've made, I would have to say those are my two least favorite. 
Um, I don't know, and, and this is my bias against paranormal movies, but I'd put Amityville Exorcism and, um, and Hellspawn down there. Hellspawn just kind of seemed the least interesting, um, but every time I see the monster, I laugh, and it brings, it, it brings me back to it, and I, I like how much I see the monster in it. Too much, yeah, it's, it's too much. I think the idea was bigger than what we could pull off at the time. And we've, we've still got about 20 minutes left in Hellspawn, which we'll finish after this, but uh, maybe, maybe my mind will... Well, no, the it's, ending it's still is actually bottom. pretty good. I like the beginning and end. It's the middle. I mean, we we had to we had to change so much of that movie with with location problems, weather problems, actor pro. I mean, it was just, it never ended. Technical problems. It was always a problem. Not that you don't have that on films, but it just got to the point where you know, let's just finish this. You know. Let's just. The most fun I had shooting that movie was the stuff with Todd Carpenter in the graveyard with a creature. Yeah, I mean, to, to me, I mean, Channel Thirteen was fun. Bigfoot versus Zombies was fun. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, and they're just things like it's like going to a a concert and going. You know, it was okay, but it wasn't great. I've seen better concerts from that band. You know, it's the same with those two. There's, I know someone that loves Praline. I'm like. Wow, you know that just shocks me. But you know, I love Amityville Exorcism. You you have a lower opinion of it. That's just that's how things go. You know. What are your two least favorite, Paul? I'd say um, I can't remember the name of it, but there was one where there was um, it was like a slasher film where a guy I think his name was Mattress Head or something like that. Oh, the one in the desert. Yeah, the one that took place in the desert. Um, Carnage Road. That was it. And the only reason oh, I forgot it, about that one. No, that would be below Amityville Exorcism. So it would be that in Hellspawn. See, well, that, it, that one actually was a, a bad one. I, I forgot about it. Sorry. Now, in our, in our defense, that uh, my brother wrote that, and the, they they shot the first twenty pages, and then they just went and did whatever they wanted, and I edited it. So we didn't direct that movie or, or anything. You know, my brother wrote it. They didn't use any of his script except from the beginning to the van. Once they get out of the van, they just decided to wing it, and uh, and I cut it, and I had to cut it based on how badly it was shot. So, it's not even our film. I mean, really, it was a work for hire. So, understandable, yeah. Because at some points in that, like they'll get killed, and then they'll kind of decide they weren't dead, and then like <laughs> it was bizarre. And I, I love slasher films, so that one was like, oh, so that's not very great. So that's what American Horror Story season three was based on, where characters just kind of die and then reappear later on. Yeah, that that one is just based off crap. <laughs> the, original, the original script for that was really good, but the director, I mean, you know, directors can do what they want. They just they just did what they, they didn't follow it, and it just stopped making sense. I mean, I was trying to edit it based on my brother's script. I'm like, John, they only you know used your script for the first 15 minutes. The rest of it's all, none of this matches up, you know. That's the way it goes, but that's technically not our film, so. The second one I'd have to go with, um, that is a tough one. I'm going to have to think about this one. Um, hmm. Probably, I guess I'd probably go the Amityville Exorcism because I can't really. I, I I enjoyed most of the other ones I saw. I just can't really think of any other ones. I say I know you you've got like Splatter Beach and stuff over there. I don't Splatter know. Splatter Beach. Well, that one had some really nice scenes. <laughs> Paul's Paul's being nice and saying there was nudity in that one. <laughs> yeah, he's right. Yeah, so there there was some nice scenes. So I'm definitely not putting that one anywhere close to the bottom. <laughs> I think, you know, next on the notch would be Razor Teeth. That was another problematic production. 
don't think I saw. That. I say I haven't seen that one. That's our that's our riff on piranha. <laughs> with with real freeze dried piranha, I might add. So I mean I mean yeah that's um that's it for our Peloni Brothers month. Um, Mark, thank you very much for joining us. Um, where can we find out about your newest productions or projects? Where can we follow you? Where can we see about them? Uh, well, I have a Facebook page, Polonia Brothers Entertainment. And anyone that wants my movies, because they're handled by so many different distributors, is uh, you could just Google a title. Go on IMDb, look at the title, Google it, and you'll see probably people selling it on eBay. It's on Amazon. They're in Redbox. They're in Family Video. So any platform, digital platform that has movies in any brick-and-mortar or kiosk that sells movies is bound to have something. Now, some of this stuff is out of print because it's just, you know, they're older titles that were released years ago on DVD or, you know, four-pack. So it's all out there if you look for it. Very cool. Um, if you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-movie related, you can leave a comment on our, either our YouTube or SoundCloud pages right below the video. You can also email us at bmoviebros.com. You can like us on Facebook at, at facebook.com dash bmoviebros. Follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. Also check out our other reviews and shows. We have new, a new content each week including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website bmoviebros.com. And if you want to support the show, you can consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. So, if you want to join us next month, July, we'll be doing Movies Based on Games Month. And we will be starting with the uh, video game movie that started the video game movie movement, the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, God. Kill me now. So, until next time, friends, be brave, be alive, and be back for more. All right. It's... it's it. Yeah.